0: Hello. I'm all alone. This is the Verge cast. It's a very special edition because I'm all by myself. My name is Paul Miller. There's no Nilay Patel. There's no Dieter Bone. It's just me. Uh, They are um, at like a cool work thing. They didn't invite me. Probably learning about leadership or something. So I'm doing the Verge cast. And I thought I would, oh, by the way, this is um, Flagship Podcast, theverge.com, brought to you by Scissor Vodka, cut through the night. There you go. I thought I'd uh, talk to a few people at The Verge that aren't, always on the show that uh, do really cool stuff that's really core to our coverage. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to talk to TC Sotek, who is our managing editor and also knows a ton about policy and government and politics. And we're going to talk about net neutrality and just a little warning. It's probably going to get a little heated. Uh, Next, I'm going to talk to Caitlin Tiffany, who is one of our social editors at The Verge, um, but also covers a lot of internet culture and just straight culture. Culture stuff, and she uh, reviewed Gilmore Girls. And I really want you to go into that with an open mind, even if you're not a big fan of Gilmore Girls. I think it's important to understand why it matters so much to so many people. And uh, then I'm going to talk to Andrew Webster, who is our games reviewer at The Verge, or one of our games reviewers at The Verge. He reviewed Pokemon Sun and Moon, and most importantly, Final Fantasy 15. So we're going to talk about that, which is very exciting. And then finally, I'm going to talk to Ashley Carmen, who's been on the Vergecast before. She's one of the editors of Circuit Breaker, and she's been spending some time with Spectacles. So we're going to get kind of like a day in the life look into what it's actually like to, to use these weird camera sunglasses. That's going to be our show. You're not going to hear any beautiful philosophical words of Productivity wisdom from Dieter. is not going to say anything mean to me the whole time. It's going to be a weird time for all of us, but I think we'll come through stronger and more knowledgeable about culture and who really makes The Verge tick. All right, let's do this. Hey, Paul. Hey, I was gonna. Inter- I was gonna say hello. That's kind of my like bit for <laughs> okay. the show. All right, now it's cool. It's cool. You're here. You're here now. I'm here with TC. Hello. Hi, Paul. This is really exciting. This is like the newsiest bit of the show, so we're, we we want to get this out first. I'm a newsman. Yeah, you're also my boss.
1: Am I? I guess that's true.
0: I think so. Which is a weird. You're managing editor of The Verge. What do you do at The Verge?
1: I manage and edit. Yeah. I would say. I'd say you do a great
0: experience. job. I write a
1: newsletter now every oh, day. Oh, yeah. Which is a lot of fun.
0: Command it's called line. Command line. You can check it out at, oh, shoot. What's it's a, just a bunch of links. No, what's the domain name? That was Click there? number two, feel. Click to feel. Click to feel.com. Com, and you can sign up which for Which was Paul's idea. It was yeah. a great idea. It was a great, great idea. I did a good job. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the big news is AT&T. Just wants to give their customers more. <laughs> 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 they were like, looked out at the landscape and like, what do our customers need?
1: Right. So the so they bought DirecTV and it was, which was the satellite about a year ago. Telev- yeah, satellite they television. They have all company. these ads
0: about how this is a whole new world.
1: It's a whole new world, which is the same world of media consolidation that we've been in for a while now. So which don't is
0: you dare close your eyes.
1: Big ISPs, right. big internet providers, Comcast, AT and T. Verizon have all been gobbling up media companies. Basically, right. they have huge; they're very dominant in their spaces. You know, Comcast has monopoly conditions in a lot of areas of the country. AT and T and Verizon are called a duopoly because they basically split the market. Um, you know, compared to their market share, T-Mobile, Sprint are not really big players. Mm. And basically, they've used that position, all the profits that they've been making in that those positions, to buy up content. Mm. So they. All these companies own the access layer, hmm. the networks, and they've been using the profits from those networks to buy up content companies. So Verizon bought AOL, Comcast bought NBC Universal years ago, which was a really huge deal. Um, AT and T just bought Directv, and also they just announced this year that they want to buy Time Warner, which owns Game of Thrones, Batman. Right, all kinds of us. So, at t is going to own Batman, AT- which yeah. is
0: weird. Yeah. Wait, um, Direct does Directv own any of the networks? Isn't there some old it's timey, old timey rule about th- th- that was designed to keep cable networks separate from some other industry?
1: Yeah. So, Directv is a satellite provider. Right. Well, it owns. Well, now it owns at t Sports Networks, Game Show Network. It has a forty-two percent st- stake in. But Comcast is a cable company that owns NBC right now. So those rules, the rules don't prohibit cable companies or networks from owning content companies, but they can't hold on to those and not sell them. They're required to sell those channels to other networks, to other providers.
0: So they can't make them exclusive. But those rules don't
1: exist on the internet yet. They exist in the crazy tangled network of laws that have been argued out over cable television the past 50 which 50 is years becoming
0: or so. increasingly irrelevant hence AT&T announcing DirecTV Now which is an over-the-top service it's just TV over the internet
1: right it's DirecTV but it's just streaming over right. the internet so which you can and it, watch it on your computer you can watch it on you know television probably through an app and you'll be able to watch it on AT&T devices mm-hmm. and the issue that we are getting into this week is that AT&T is doing something called zero rating with DirecTV now. They've already been doing it with DirecTV's streaming app, so it's not necessarily new, um, but it's a relatively new thing that these companies are doing, and because AT and T is so big, it's actually really important now mm. to look at what the consequences are of doing that.
0: Before we get into that, how big do you think this Directv Now services, like compared to some of the other options, the 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 PlayStation, it's it called View. Yeah, there's PlayStation View. There's Sling TV. Apple theoretically someday, maybe <laughs> Apple. Yeah, and and then the the one weird thing with Directv Now is it doesn't have. CBS, but other than that, it, it kind of makes sense to me as someone who doesn't have any way to watch live TV. Like I, I'm looking into these services. It'd be nice right. to be able to watch live TV without having to worry about setting up an antenna.
1: Right. So th- there's about there are about 350,000 Direct TV subscribers right now. So it's not huge. Right. Um, but the streaming service has a, obviously the potential to get a lot more. And I think the end game here. And something that AT&T executives have been talking about already is that they're going to start to try to offer like double play packages right. with their cell service. So cell phone service plus cable television or, you know, Over the top. Pre- premium television is going to be the new cable bundle.
0: Right. And then you can just live an AT&T lifestyle.
1: Right. You can live in AT&T's world, which will include DirecTV and all of these channels without having to, to go elsewhere. Unless Wait. you want, you know, Netflix or other competing video <laughs> services which is where we go back get back right. into the zero rating issue right
0: so yeah explain zero rating i mean i'm a t-mobile subscriber mm-hmm. so i'm me too so familiar with me zero too. rating how do you how do you like it well first let's explain what it is sure, sure, it's, sure. it's uh essentially
1: a good but imperfect analogy is free shipping mm-hmm. right uh that a company is paying for free shipping so at&t and t-mobile normally you know you if you watch a video or listen to a song or go to a website that uses data, mm-hmm. you have a data cap. You, most people have data caps. That data counts against your data cap. Mm-hmm. Zero rating is when AT&T says or T-Mobile says, we're going to exempt this content from your data cap for whatever reason.
0: Which T-Mobile started with music. Mm-hmm. And ended up adding almost every music service you could think of and then moved into video.
1: Yeah. And their, their video thing was super sketchy. It wasn't actually a zero rating scheme as much as it was. They started throttling they everybody's it, right? video content without permission. Mm-hmm. And it was an opt out program. So that, had, that was kind of a different sketchy situation right. and also their program is a, a little different in that they're allowing anybody to participate it's just a standards thing so if you want to downgrade your video to 480p or i guess dvd quality is what they're calling it mm-hmm. anybody can do that
0: so the, you just have if, to, if you're a content producer do you even have to talk to t-mobile or can you just i think you like, just
1: have to comply with their specifications and for, then t-mobile will
0: just throttle it for right it. okay yep. so at&t is is kind of new to the at and
1: situation is game. much different because T-Mobile doesn't own any of those content companies. Right. They're just, they're just doing that probably because they are trying to relieve some network congestion mm. and they, they want to, it's a way to downgrade it while making it look like an upgrade. Mm. But AT&T situation is very different. They're going to offer DirecTV and HD, but the zero rating is a problem because AT&T owns DirecTV. So essentially they're giving their own product a free pass on their service, right. which is anti-competitive. If say you want to go watch a Netflix movie and it eats up a huge part of your data cap while watching AT&T's videos doesn't, right. it gives the consumers big incentives to only pay for AT&T services and to maybe not pay for other services that are going to count against their caps.
0: So the FCC made new net neutrality rules, or the the kind of the big net neutrality ruling was last year. Sometime? Last year. <laughs> And that went to, it's been appealed some, so far it's been upheld, as far as I know, and it hasn't gone to the Supreme Court yet.
1: Uh, That one has not, I mean, I think it's in the the process of people are are starting to fight against it, but it hasn't been.
0: That's the Title II classification. Right. But that's for basically home broadband No, it's for, the
1: big deal with the new rules is that it applied to both wireline and wireless did. The previous rules only applied to home broadband. Wireless companies were kind of special flowers. They're given huge, huge exceptions. Why
0: hasn't that stopped t mobile zero rating?
1: Uh, Zero rating is actually not expressly prohibited by the net neutrality rules. The net neutrality rules have just a few bright lines. You can't discriminate, which means you can't look at packets and decide to throttle them or treat them differently when they're coming over your network. Mm. You cannot block other services from being delivered to your customers. So you can, like you know if you're Comcast, you can't block Netflix from from coming to your customers because you want them to pay pay you. Basically, mm. you can't hold services ransom, and you can't do something called paid prioritization, which means you cannot degrade other services in favor of one that's basically paying you a ransom right. Right, to to get a to get a. That's the fast lane, slow lane thing. Right. Zero rating is different because it it's not throttling, so you're not slowing down traffic. Aren't you kind of looking at the packets? Mm, it's that's complicated. I don't okay. know. Um, I, it's not in the way that net neutrality prohibits. Okay, um, so. But basically, FCC said we'll look at zero rating on a case by case basis. They looked at T-Mobile. They sent T-Mobile a letter. They haven't done anything with T-Mobile. Okay. They also sent AT and T a letter saying we're going to look into. You know we're worried about what you're doing with. Zero rating in TV, mm. but they also have not done anything yet, and it's possible they will not do anything um, under a Trump administration, mm. which is probably going to try to completely dismantle the net neutrality regulations we yeah. have now.
0: Yeah. So how how would that work? Because so as far, far as I understand, like the FCC is an independent agency. It's uh, an independent
1: agency, which means that the president and Congress can't meddle in its affairs once it's going. So the president. Yeah. And there's a tradition of the parties getting balance on the commission. Hmm. So the president will appoint a chairman to the FCC, and Republicans and Democrats will get almost a fairly even split of commissioners. uh, But the majority party that's in rule usually gets majority.
0: Which the net neutrality rules were on those – Party lines with the deciding vote being the chairman. Correct. Who so Democrats Obama nominated. voted
1: for net neutrality. The, both the minority commissioners, uh, Ajit Pai and um, Michael O'Reilly, are the two minority Republican commissioners on the SEC so, right now.
0: So conceivably— And they've both
1: been extremely vocal in opposing— the net neutrality regulations and, and also everything else they've been trying to
0: do pi wrote like a a paper earlier this year saying like okay it's been a year of this net neutrality here's all these problems with it and this is this is not going well uh which was obviously not <laughs> the the rules are still there but but theoretically trump would nominate a new chairman and possibly other People, but we would probably end up with the same split, but have a new Trump-appointed chairman. Oh, there
1: would be probably more Republicans on the on the panel than Democrats. Okay, and it's, it's customary for the for the ruling majority to have the majority on the FCC. What the independent agency thing means is that after the FCC is established, after that group is the appointees are established, the president can't go in and say, "Hey, do this from do right. that. The right. FCC is. Works independently of the rest of the government.
0: So, could they reverse this rule? Like, this is whole This is a classification. Well, con- Congress is,
1: you know, supersedes the FCC. So, right. con- obviously, can... any
0: any time all along this whole net neutrality timeline, Congress could have made a law saying broadband is classified as this, right. or here's a rule for how broadband should work, or what pro- internet providers should do. Congress hasn't made any of those laws no. related to this topic at all and has left it up to the FCC. So could a, a new FCC theoretically just change this rule back? Like, okay, now you're not under Title there's a pro-
1: There's a process they have to go through. There's public rulemaking procedures. They have to get comment from people. But Congress can conceivably just pass a law and undo it. Mm-hmm.
0: So, what's your what's your feeling on what's going to happen? Do you think I think they think will think undo it? Yeah, they will undo it. You think? Yeah,
1: getting rid of the Title II classification is, seems pretty high on you know from what I've heard, it seems pretty high on the agenda of members of Congress who are you know deal with telecommunications regulation. Mm. So it seems likely all of the ISPs would love not to be subject to those rules because it lets them do things like zero rating and sponsored data, paid prioritization. Basically, it gives them the ability to create a bunch of tolls that get money both ways. Now, people who are You know, one of the reasons that net neutrality, I think, is a very is a good for consumers is that it eliminates those tolls. Basically, you know, you're already if you pay for wireless Internet, if you pay for broadband at home, you're already paying for access to the network. Mm. So it's kind of a given, you know, when you pay for the Internet, you are saying, hey, Comcast, I want access to the network. If I ask for Netflix, you should give it to me because that's our agreement. Right. And the ISPs would like to reap money on both ends. They want to have the consumers pay for access. Mm-hmm. Consumers are already paying for access to the service. And then they want to charge the companies for access to the customer.
0: Well, and they want to sometimes be the company that is the profitable content company. All right.
1: The, and really the ultimate goal is to own both both ends of that. So you're making all you know, you're making all of that money.
0: And by the way, TC wrote this excellent um, what would you call it? An apocalypse. <laughs> a dystopian short fiction that doesn't seem so fictional. Yeah,
1: two years ago I wrote something called Your Corporate Internet Nightmare Starts Now. And it's just about like an AT&T branded universe. Yeah. Um, and I it, a lot of people thought that was hyperbole. Mm. Um, but it really is what they have proven they want to do. They want to own the network. They want to charge exorbitant rates for it. And they also want to own the content on that network. So they're they're really reaping all of the money for the flow
0: of information. Do you think there's something to these these providers being so interested in content that it's like either they can't figure out a way to make enough money by just being a provider or there are rules that keep them from making as much well, money they're, as they... Well, they're
1: already making a ton of money. They would like... That's not a problem for them. I mean, well, their pro- profit margins for internet service providers are probably the highest out of any industry but or one of the highest out of any industry. Apparently Walmart Walmart for example probably has a 3% profit margin. Right. The profit margins on wireless service anywhere from 19 to 30 plus percent. It's enormous.
0: And but they but they so they have these billions of dollars and they could invest them in more infrastructure, but they see it as more profitable lately it seems to invest in content not infrastructure.
1: Yeah, well, it's always more profitable to be vertically integrated, to own both the transport layer Mm -hmm. and then the product that you're delivering, right? And it's also a way to kind of deflect regulatory fairness. One of the original, you know, the original classification that the ISPs worked out was that they would be considered information services Mm -hmm. instead of telecommunication services because telecommunication services were regulated by quality, um, basically like quantity, speed, and the, the amount of stuff you could download. Mm. Um, they don't want to just be dumb pipes where they're just having people pay for for access to the network because ultimately in the long run they're going to make less money doing that. Mm. Um, especially if the government decides to cap the amount of money they can make by providing that service as a public utility. Once you start calling it a public utility, then... There's a public interest in in capping the amount of profit you can make off of that. So they want it to be considered information services, which is different. They're providing extra value to customers that they can charge more money for, mm-hmm. um, and that would be something like you know AOL giving you an email account on top of your internet access. That's why they're an information service, not just a right. telecommunications service. So they would like to continue being information services, even though they're classified under Title II now, and that and these days that means owning video companies owning publications, uh, owning the information that actually travels across those networks.
0: Right. So some of this monopoly and sort of duopoly situation seems like it'd be a job for the FTC to get involved in. But as far as I understand it, the FCC's classification of these services under Title II sort of protect them from the FTC. It's like a protection from monopoly prosecution and stuff like that. Is that
1: that correct? Um, So the problem is there's a patchwork of laws across the country. A lot of they they enjoy monopoly conditions because it's extremely hard to compete Mm -hmm. because you have to get rights of way, dig up the ground, install infrastructure. It's a a massive – all of these companies have massive what what are called sunk costs, meaning Mm -hmm. they spend a lot of money up front to create infrastructure. And then over time, those costs are really just up front and then they make a lot of money on the back end charging people for services on top of those sunk costs. Mm-hmm. But they've spent a lot of money over the years lobbying local governments, uh, lobbying states to prevent municipal internet services. Mm-hmm. So I think in either South Carolina or North Carolina, I don't remember exactly where. There's one town in particular where they just compl- they got... The state to ban cities from creating their own Wi Fi networks Mm. because they thought it was unfair competition for the state to be providing people with internet for free. And that makes sense to the extent that until you realize that there's really no competition in the internet, you know, there's and it's a public utility. So it's something that people really need. It's Mm. not something that's really optional anymore. If you want to be part of human civilization now, you need the internet. If you want to be prosperous, if you want to even save money. I mean, think of how much money people save by ordering things online rather than having to pay for things local. It's a it's a huge, I would say, even civil rights issue for people to be denied access to networks. And there are lots of parts in the country where it's extremely expensive or very difficult to get internet access.
0: Wouldn't you want, for the areas that are the hardest to serve, wouldn't you want sort of the profit carrot at the end of the internet racetrack to be larger to, to, to make it a more incentive to grow this infrastructure? Well I think the carrot's already
1: enormous. I don't think the profitability is a problem. I mean a lot of these companies threatened to stop investing in networks if they were reclassified as title two. Mm. None of them followed through on that because it's BS. They, they are going to make a lot of money no matter what because it's a, an essential service that so many people need and are going to pay for that the scale that these networks exist on, they're just going to make a lot of money even if they're regulated more tightly. Yeah. And one of the other – another problem especially, a unique problem in the wireless industry is that spectrum, which is the electromagnetic spectrum, the waves that this information travels across is a finite, limited natural resource. Mm. Where you can't make more of it. Right. There's only so much we can use because a lot of devices and services like police radio uses a part of that spectrum. There's lots of things that use up that spectrum. Mm -hmm. There's only so much that we can use for cell service. And so these companies are using a resource that really belongs to everybody. Mm -hmm. And there's a big public interest in making sure that not just one or two companies uses that resource for for their own benefit. Which is why things like zero rating, uh, sponsored data, which is why net neutrality is really important because it makes sure that the companies that are using these shared resources are using them in a way that is fair and um, egalitarian for everybody in, in our society to use.
0: I just so I'm going to I'm guessing I've said this before on the, the Vergecast and never talked too much about it, but this is such a ripe opportunity. I'm not a big fan of net neutrality as a, as a government policy. I think it's great way to build a network. I think it's the ideal way for the internet to be. I just get this sense that the more of this regulation that has gone into place and the more rules there are of how you can be an internet provider, you've seen more consolidation happen, less upstarts. And I also really thought that, yeah, like there's a lot of regions where Comcast is your only option or you only get good service from Verizon maybe or something like that uh, wirelessly. But There is a real chance for wired broadband and wireless broadband to compete and make it not a single possible provider in the area. And we, you know, we even saw that like however long, it was almost a decade ago when like WiMAX was like going into people's homes and like that was going to be like a different kind of broadband and possibly cheaper or just possibly, you know, available in a lot more areas. And I just I just feel like this, this regulation is just consolidating this power. And it is putting limits on what these companies can do, but it's not stopping them or making them or opening up the market to new upstarts.
1: So here's my response to that. I think net neutrality has... Nothing to do with media consolidation, and it has nothing to do with preventing competition. One thing to look at, or one thing to consider there is that net neut- for the majority of the history of the internet, net neutrality was the status quo. But it wasn't a government rule. It wasn't a rule, but it was something that everybody agreed upon because that was the idea behind the network in the, from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of just kind of understood that if you are connecting to the, if you're a part of the network, you should be everything should be treated equally. We shouldn't be setting up. Walls between services, ISPs shouldn't be basically deciding for people what they can access and not access, and, and charging tolls. So why didn't these services. companies
0: charge tolls when they had the opportunity?
1: Well, they found out there's a lot of money in it, and they also just didn't <clears throat> did not want to be prevented from coming up with creative ways to erect tolls, which is why they've they fought against it so vehemently. But net neutrality itself, I mean, the I it, I would argue it's actually a very small government solution. It just sets up rules of the road for how to operate your network. It doesn't prevent you from competing with anybody. In fact, it makes you, the only thing it really does is forces companies to compete in ways that they don't want to compete. Well, but but compliance because is a cost. It's a, not
0: really. You, well, have to, you
1: comply a, by setting up the rules of your network, which is we're not going to discriminate against types of traffic. And if
0: you're a large network, you have to file paperwork with the FCC. You have to go to court or, or talk, To uh, you get a letter from the FCC says maybe we don't like this, which kind of gives uncertainty to your business.
1: Yeah, I mean it's trivial, really. the 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 amount of money that these companies make that's not it's not preventing them from doing anything. Mm. Comcast bought or tried to buy Time Warner, for example, because it just didn't want to compete with Time Warner. Mm. It could have Comcast could have gone into New York City and said we're going to spend the sunk costs. We're going to spend money to develop infrastructure here to compete with Time Warner mm. rather than... And they chose not to do that. It has nothing to do with net neutrality. Net neutrality just forces these companies to actually compete in ways that are good for consumers. It forces them to compete on speed, forces them to compete on quality, and the amount of basically data that they're giving customers. Um, and they don't want to compete on that because that makes them dumb pipes. Mm. It makes them have to actually... <laughs> Actually compete. And they don't like to compete. AT&T hated competition. Uh, Alexander Vale, who was one of the magnates of AT&T, AT&T was a government-granted monopoly. Mm -hmm. He wrote a paper in the 20th century arguing why AT&T should be a government-granted monopoly. And he said monopolies were good as long as they provide quality service at a fair price. And it turned out that AT&T eventually didn't do that. They used their monopoly position to reap massive
0: amounts of money from everybody i think a co- government-granted monopoly is a worst case scenario okay so but,
1: but i on the other hand i think uh there are realistic limits to competition in the marketplace right there's only so much spectrum that can go around you know people just can't dig up cities every year to create mm-hmm. new competing networks so there are certain realities involved that there are only going to be so many competitors and with that reality you have to say what we, we have to do something as a society to make sure that this essential public utility is actually being sold to people at a price that's fair and a quality that's reasonable.
0: So yes, yeah, so at the end of your article, you said, like paraphrasing, the net neutrality fight is back on. You get ready to fight. <laughs> something like that. You said fight, fight, fight. And the fight for the internet is, begins again. Fight to win. Yep. Go, go, go. <laughs> I think you, those are the words that you typed at the... Okay, so... What 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 are some steps going forward? I mean, one thing I would love is there to be another two point four gigahertz, be it like a, a an LTE appropriate band. Mm-hmm that is public spectrum because i think some some really cool stuff could happen with that. But that's just me. What what are what are some things? I mean things- there's
1: all i think there's there's so many possibilities for things that could happen if mm. these dominant players didn't, you know, weren't part of this revolving door in government mm. and didn't spend billions of dollars lobbying to prevent competition. That's really their, the history of these companies is that they've demonstrated time and time again they don't want to compete. They would prefer to Pay their sunk costs and then reap profits for decades, mm-hmm. and they they want to come up with as many creative tolls as they can to charge people and companies both ways to use the network. Well, but the, the but we could have, we could have mesh networks. We could have you know peer to peer stuff. We yes. could have municipal Wi Fi all over all over the country, Maybe. which would reduce congestion on cellular cellular networks. By the way, having mm-hmm. municipal Wi Fi everywhere would would reduce congestion on those networks and mm-hmm. all the wireless companies love to do is complain about how they're, you know, they they can't accommodate everybody because video is so much traffic, right. um, which is another ironic thing. They complain about how video is overloading their networks, and now they're giving video data for free to their customers. Yeah, it makes so sense. It's funny how that works.
0: <laughs> well, I, just, I just think, why do they spend billions of dollars le- like um, lobbying? It's because there are powers in the government that can make their lives easier or harder. Oh, for sure. That's why anybody lobbies. Right. So right. I, I just want to get the government out of the way. <laughs> okay. So, but yeah, any other action items? How do we fight net neutrality if we are, are scared of, of, of this getting worse? Uh,
1: one thing to do is not elect someone like Donald Trump. So,
0: time travel is, like time travel. is a top uh, priority. Don't
1: elect people who want to roll those regulations back, mm-hmm. is one thing. Uh, Forward looking, elect people who want to keep net neutrality regulation. Um, but then also, you know, what worked last time was really flooding the FCC with comments. The public has a say in what the FCC does. The FCC listens to the public, mm. uh, and Congress listens to the public. So contacting your representatives, contacting the FCC, those are all good ways to make your voice heard. Uh, if you like having a free and open internet, right. that's that's a good way to do it.
0: If you don't like free and open internet, just, just yeah. sit sit pretty.
1: If you want there to be one or
0: two companies in the world
1: that control internet access and own all the content and lock you into their ecosystems, then I would say fight against net neutrality. (laughs) 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 Okay.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. You're a great man. Yeah, this was fun, Paul. Next up, I'm talking to Caitlin about Gilmore Girls.
1: Any thoughts? I've seen every episode of Gilmore Girls. Including the new season? Except for the new season. So no spoilers for me.
0: Well, spoilers about the interview with Caitlin. Don't listen to (laughs) to the interview with Caitlin (laughs) because there are some major spoilers in that. Wow. Yeah, I hear a lot of people
1: not not so keen on the new. Yeah, she's not a big fan. She's
0: not a big fan. But you know, I hope you can go into that season with an open mind and heart. We'll see.
1: And uh, I'm all about Westworld. I got to watch the new Westworld. I'll I'll see Gilmore Girls later.
0: Okay. All right. Priorities.
1: Maybe Rory is a host. Yeah, heard it here first.
0: I want to tell you about socks. When I was a child, I didn't appreciate socks. And when I would receive a gift of socks, I'd be like I wanted Legos. But now in my early 30s, I treasure every pair of socks I, I own and I want to tell you about a company that makes it easier to get socks. This company is called Sock Club and they have a sock of the month subscription. So you get a pair of quality American made socks straight to your door every month, which is the best way to receive socks, in my opinion. These socks are premium quality, American-made socks, and they use cotton sourced from the southeastern United States. They're designed in Austin, Texas, and knit in North Carolina. And apparently, uh, and I I can't vouch for this myself, but apparently you can tell this American-made difference when you put them on, which is a great promise. Every month you get a brand new, never-before-seen sock design, And these are classy designs, not just crazy, weird animals or something like that. classy socks, specifically created for that month. They even come with the background story on the sock's name and design. And I challenge you to find a background story for any other sock on the market right now. You can give these as a gift and you can actually print out a membership certificate if this is like last minute shopping. So you give the person a membership certificate. Now they're part of the sock club, congratulations. They're gonna get new socks every month. Oh, by the way, American made socks, crazy designs, but classy and American made. Sock club offers gift subscriptions for men, women, and children. So you can give sock club to all the men, women, and children in your life. I think that's a great idea. So you can go to SockClub.com and get a 15% off promo code if you use Verge at checkout. It's SockClub.com, promo code Verge. Buy some socks. Hello. Hi, Paul. Hey, Caitlin. Thank you for joining me to talk about a topic that's, I would say, near and dear to, to both of our hearts, but probably probably more dear to your heart.
2: Yeah, probably.
0: Gilmore Girls. Yes. You wrote about the new season that they put up on Netflix all at once. Is this like the first show since Arrested Development that's like been a revival that then they did a season? Um,
2: Well, they also did Fuller House.
0: Oh, that's right.
2: Which was a disaster, but a controlled disaster. Mm. This Gilmore Girls reboot is a disaster that is like completely just running wild. Nobody's paying attention. No one cares. It's a it's a, it's, it's, it's a trash fire. Okay,
0: so before we talk about why it's trash fire, why is Gilmore Girls so important to you?
2: Gilmore Girls, first of all, it's from a formative time in my life. Mm-hmm. If you talk to almost any woman of my age they have seen Gilmore Girls. And i that sounds like a generalization, but I feel like it's literally a fact. Mm. And it's about a girl named Rory who, um, she's like super smart. She's like a little weird. And her whole life, she wants to be a journalist. Um, she goes to Yale. She and her mom are best friends and they know everything about pop culture. They They talk super fast. They drink a lot of coffee. They're just like cool. Mm. And it was important to me because I was, you know, like a nerd in high school and struggled with basic social functioning. And Rory is like that, but shes it's not portrayed like she's a freak because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, It's like very pro-intellectual and it's just like funny. It's just like well-written TV about like Rory and all of her friends are, you know, women who want to do cool, important things with their lives, which is just like fun to watch.
0: I'm scared I liked it just because... It was like a soap opera, like just following the peaks and valleys and relationships and the dramas yeah. and the will-they-won't days. But I also really liked Rory. I was like jealous of Rory because uh, she just reads so much. Yeah. She keeps on reading those books. Yeah, she if does I like that. If I just books. read more books, I'd be more like Rory.
2: Yeah. Well, and the, the human drama is also compelling. I mean... It's like part, part of everyone's lives, so, and people just love and people love the soap opera twists. Mm. But like, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just like a really well told story. With it's easy to jump back into at any time.
0: So I never finished Gilmore Girls original series. Paul,
2: what are we doing here?
0: I I, wa- I watched into the last season, but didn't finish the last season. So I don't even know like who if, if you if you're going into this cold and you do want to watch this new season do you have to watch all the old stuff
2: so actually this new season was i think you can tell quite obviously supposed to replace the seventh season um because the creator of the show amy sherman palladino and her husband dan palladino um they weren't involved in the last season of the show and they have kind of been like oh well it's not canon um and made it clear that, like, a lot of the things from this reboot were supposed to happen in the seventh season. Which makes sense, because in the reboot, you see 32-year-old Rory acting like she's 22 at almost every turn. So, yeah, I guess if you didn't watch all of season seven, maybe you would have a interesting, fulfilling experience. What if you never watched
0: any Gilmore Girls?
2: If you never watched any Gilmore Girls, there's no reason for you to watch this reboot, <laughs> okay. because... You, I mean, it's terrible to watch it as a fan of Gilmore Girls, but if you didn't have any reason to be like invested in these people, um, you would find them very boring and mean, I think pretty quickly.
0: That's really sad. So who are you rooting for? So Rory had few boyfriends throughout yes. the, the, the original series. Yes. Lorelai had a major on and off relationship with Luke uh-huh. and drama with her ex-husband. Yes. Well, who's who's the good guys? Who's supposed okay. to be the winners? I think Who are you rooting for going into this? Or, or did, did that not matter? You just wanted to hang out with Rory and Lorelai again?
2: Well, if this year on planet Earth has taught us anything, there's no such thing as good guys. But in my experience with Gilmore Girls, I was always team Jess. First of all, he's the cutest. Sorry. Second of all, he's uh, the only one on Rory's intellectual level. He's the one that makes her go back to Yale. Mm-hmm. And in this reboot, he's the one that kind of nudges her into a new path passion project, even though I feel it's sort of a lame one. Yeah, Team Jess. But it also, like, it doesn't matter. You don't really get, like, any satisfaction from caring about Rory's relationships in this reboot, because it's quite clear that every cast member was brought on for random scenes that had nothing to do with each other, and in some cases, you can tell that the actors weren't even in the same room when they shot their scenes together.
0: Okay, so why... What what's so bad about this?
2: <sighs> okay, what's so bad about this?
0: Wait, uh, just just to preface, I want to read your headline. The new Gilmore Girls is weirdly hostile towards fans, women, and storytelling in general.
2: Yes. So I guess the thing that made me think that a reboot was a good idea is that the main draw of Gilmore Girls is the world it's set in, which is this town called Stars Hollow in Connecticut. It's super cute. Everyone in there is like charming and quirky or whatever. And it's like a place that you just want to hang out. So I was like, even if the story is lame, like it'll be nice to hang out in Stars Hollow again, which turned out to be not true at all because Netflix showered this creative team with money and they used it to do a bunch of messed up stuff like uh, the Stars Hollow set was huge, but also much more fake-looking. And it, at one point, they had people standing on one of the roofs so you can, like, tell that it's not a real building. And it was just, like, very gaudy. Everything was much more, like, colorful in a way that was, like, off-putting. It was, like, sort of even, like, sinister at times. I just found it, like, very disconcerting. and.
0: How is it sinister?
2: It just, like, I mean, first of all, the all of the plot lines of the story were, like, much darker and sadder than the show has ever been before. So then for the visual uh, situation to be so, like, flashy and in your face was kind of like, Ugh, like, what are you trying to do to me right now? I just feel like I'm in a nightmare. It was literally like having a nightmare because everything was extremely heightened and also deeply terrifying just like quietly under the surface just like utter horror at all times and i know this sounds dramatic but it really was so bad i can't even believe it like paul yes there is a character in the show named paul now a new Mm. character okay you meet him in the first episode he's introduced as rory's new boyfriend and they've presumably been dating for two years yet she constantly forgets that he exists serially cheats on him just like very casually with no remorse and like leaves him in public places and forgets he's there and like and walks out and gets in a car
0: story of my life
2: (laughs) and you're not like this is supposed to be like a cute running joke like haha nobody remembers paul but it's like that's so freaking mean to not remember that you have a boyfriend and to like act like he's not a person with dignity oh he looks like a nice guy i mean he seems fine he seems like someone that would like explain to you how to torrent without being asked right but it he doesn't deserve to just be completely ignored sure it was it's really sad i'm like what is the point of this
0: you seemed really disappointed in rory in general yeah is it because you looked up to her or, or saw yourself in her and then it's just not working out
2: i I always thought Rory was kind of a brat, but the thing that's supposed to be good about Rory is that she actually is really smart and, like, well-read and has, like, you know, interesting, insightful things to say about the world, and she wants to, like, write them and she's willing to, like, leave Stars Hollow. Oh, sorry. That's a spoiler for those of us who haven't watched the final season of this show for whatever reason. But at the end of the last season, she, like, is going on then-Senator Obama's campaign bus. Um, to become, like, a political blogger, which is, like, cool, especially because in 2007, everyone was like, <laughs> "What blogging? I mean, everyone who was watching ABC Family, probably not everybody, everybody,
0: Yeah, I was a professional blogger in 2007. Yeah,
2: but it was supposed to be like, oh, my God. Um, and she, now she's just, like, this loser who's, like, coming back to Stars Hollow and working for free at her town newspaper, which doesn't even make sense. Why isn't there a salary? It doesn't make any sense to me. And, like, she, um, at one point, she, like, is reporting on a piece for GQ and falls asleep while she's interviewing a source while she's wearing like a giant like taffeta t-length skirt and like heels it's just ri- ridiculous everything she does is ridiculous her lucky outfit is like this ugly red wrap dress that you would get it like and Taylor Loft in, like, 2004. It's, <laughs> everything she does is just absurd.
0: Okay, you, you said you wanted to give me some facts about this show, things that happened, and I'm going to guess if they're true or false.
2: Okay, yes. I didn't realize you had read my review, which points out many of the most absurd things Yeah,
0: well, maybe you happened. could just check my reading comprehension and retention.
2: Okay, here is a factual thing that happened on this show. A... Pig runs down the street as an omen. And then when Rory turns around, there are three men in gorilla masks in the street. False. No, that happened. And then they all run down the street in steampunk attire to the across the universe version of With a Little Help from My Friends.
0: Well, I think that's true because you (laughs) said. That they had that in.
2: They're just some sober people running around this tiny town um, stealing golf clubs and listening to a little help from my friends for no reason.
0: I, I feel like the the show used to have like the, the camera would pull back and show a yeah. little more of the town at the yeah. end of an episode because something emotionally resonant has just happened. Yeah. That makes sense. But it sounds like they made a whole season of that.
2: I don't know what it was a season of. It was a disaster. Um, They also, Emily has like a new maid who's played by the same woman who plays Gypsy. Um, Emily
0: is Lorelai's mom.
2: Yeah, sorry. Emily is the grandmother. She has a new maid and the whole joke of the maid is that they don't know what language she's speaking. They like think it's Spanish, but it turns out not to be Spanish. And then they have someone come from the UN who also can't figure out what language she's speaking. And then she moves her whole family into the house, which is like a pretty offensive, like, oh, immigrants, they all live, tend to a room, like, joke. Mm. It's like really messed up. I don't even know why I'm saying these facts to you because it's clear that they're real because <laughs> I'm getting so upset. Okay, so I'm
0: going to go with um, true.
2: Yeah, that one was true. Nailed
0: it, nailed it. Andrew, you're counting, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, They're all, all. going
2: to be true. There's nothing I could make up that's more ridiculous so, than the things that really happen. In
0: closing... Is this like Netflix's fault? Is this just the fault of of 2016 as you've accused before possibly? <laughs> or is, you know, is this, you mentioned a lot of the problem is possibly just how much money they had. Yeah,
2: I think they definitely got too much creative freedom from Netflix. But I also think perhaps the show's creator might be a terrible person um, because she planned all these storylines for when Rory was 22. And it seems just like, brutally mean to make like six years of a show about this like talented young woman who like wants to be a journalist and, you know, in influence the world in like a positive way and then to have spoilers, to have her get pregnant, um, and then cut to black, like that's the last thing that she says is like, I'm pregnant is really fucked up like
0: wait are you kidding me that's the end of yeah this season
2: that's the end of this reboot which is like it's whatever because she's 32 you know who cares and she's also obviously failed at being a journalist so maybe she should try something else Mm. but if it was the, the the end of the original series when she hadn't even gotten a chance to try to be a journalist after like all of the investment that we have in her it's I can't even believe it. I can't even believe it's the same... Like, that the same woman who wrote the first six years would, like, have that idea in mind for her character. Not that, like, becoming a mom is a terrible thing to happen to you, but... Well, that's almost
0: the genesis of the whole thing. Lorelai had Rory when she was really young.
2: Yeah, but, like, if you're... if The whole point of Lorelai's storyline is making sure that her daughter doesn't make the same mistakes as her. Like, that's when she has her freak outs is whenever it seems like Rory is doing something that she would have done. Right. And then she's just like, Oh yeah. Like every, everything I've ever dreamed of is now either postponed or derailed because I'm going to have this fr- freaking kid. And also if it cuts to black, like there's not even any purpose in that storyline. Cause we don't get to see how she handles it. I mean, maybe she wouldn't keep that child. What do I know? But like, you don't, you, do, you just don't know. It's just pointless. It just seems cruel. It just seems like a mean thing to do to us. All
0: right, well, I'm, I'm really sorry.
2: I'm not going to recover. (laughs)
0: That this season happened to you. So would you still call yourself a fan of Gilmore
2: Girls? (laughs) Yes. So for me, I watched the new episodes with my grandmother and my mother and my sisters and my aunt and my cousin. And while we were watching it, I was like into it. I was trying really hard to enjoy it. You weren't
0: like watching this for work because you're a journalist.
2: No. In particular because... I forgot to ask for screeners until it was too late, and then they wouldn't give them to me. So, no. um, but anyway, I was watching it with my family. We like we bought Pop Tarts and Twizzlers, even though the Gilmore Girls are technically a Red Vines household, but Red Vines are disgusting. Um, so we 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 were nestled in for the whole day, and so I did try to really enjoy it, and it was nice to be with some of the characters again, like Paris, Rory's friend from uh, high school, is always hilarious and great no matter what Um, and I also thought like Emily Gilmore's plotline was actually really satisfying um, the way that she like dealt with her husband's death so I was trying to like it and then that night when I was talking about it with my mom I was like yeah I liked it but you know why didn't they talk about having a kid for like 10 years or like "Mm, like why is Rory so bad at journalism or like and then like gradually the more I thought about it the more I was like oh I really don't like that like I really feel betrayed by these like departures and um yeah I'm I'm just never gonna watch it again but I can still love the original show hopefully I don't know I haven't tried to go back to it it's also hard to love Gilmore Girls anymore just because like everyone loves Gilmore Girls now Mm -hmm. in a way that's like oppressive it's like if you say you love Gilmore girls everyone's like, "Yeah, of course you do." Like you're mm. a white woman in your early 20s, like the um so
0: That's too bad. But,
2: you know, I don't I don't know. Yeah, I definitely tried to like get out of loyalty and then just couldn't do it. It just didn't seem like it's been a really rough year and it was something to look forward to, especially like that's directed specifically to women who, you know, could could you use a good uh, use the mood boost and then it was like a slap in the face and i was like mm, okay thanks for that thanks oh. for another one always always <laughs> always another hit coming from this <laughs> terrible year
0: well i'm really glad <laughs> you joined me even though it is still 2016 and yeah. are, is are, is there any other entertainment in the pipeline that you're just really looking forward to that's that's going to make it all up to you um, the next next Star Wars movie you're just so excited n- about.
2: No. Okay, there is a movie coming out that's a World War II movie, which in general I object to the fact that we have a, a million and a half World War II movies, but it's coming out in March and Harry Styles was in it.
0: Wow.
2: So I'm on the, on the lookout for that. Okay. There is a new Jake Gyllenhaal movie in theaters right now called Nocturnal Animals, and it's, it's like – a little messed up, but it's really good. And Michael Shannon is in it also. And he's like, I think, one of the more like underrated supporting actors. And he does a really good job in it. And he also just gave a compelling interview about Donald Trump that I suggest people read.
0: Michael Shannon. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right. Well, thank you for joining me. Okay. Please cheer up.
2: Paul, wait, wait, wait. Before we finish this segment, yeah. can you tell me things you, other things you haven't finished Besides Gilmore Girls?
0: Well, for the longest time, I hadn't finished Battlestar Galactica. But I think I finished Battlestar Galactica.
2: Uh, is that a TV show or a movie with that Rihanna is in?
0: It's a TV show. The movie is Battleship. Oh. Based on the hit board game, Battleship. <laughs> which I have watched twice, actually. What? Uh, yeah. You
2: managed to watch a movie based on a board game twice but not the final season I of never I never
0: finished Friday Night Lights, which I absolutely loved. What? I absolutely especially the first season was just the most amazing thing and that just fell off.
2: Okay, you have to watch the last season. I of never Friday
0: finished Night Gossip Night. Girl. I loved like the first two seasons of that. I never finished Veronica Mars. I loved like the first couple seasons of that. It's a lot. There's a lot that
2: Okay, I will tell you. I never finished you can Wheel skip of Gossip Time. Girl.
0: Skip Gossip Girl. Okay. The
2: ending of that will not make you feel nice.
0: Okay. Never finish Wheel of Time.
2: I don't know what that is.
0: It's a book series. I'm all caught up on the Game of Thrones books, so.
2: Nice. Well, you'll never finish those because the rest of them will never be published.
0: <laughs> Probably. All right. No, that's okay. Thank it's you. Okay. It
2: turns out finishing things is awful.
0: Yeah. See, it's not all it's chalked up to be. Nope. Thanks, oh. Caitlin. Okay. Have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So... Yeah, Gilmore Girls, big disappointment apparently. But still, watch watch the show. I think I, th- I really think it's a great show. And I still don't know why it's so important to me not being a woman. Just I just really <laughs> I just really like the show. On a much more positive note, I have Andrew Webster uh, on the line here and he got to review good pieces of media that brought uh, joy and happiness and entertainment into his life. So, yeah, it'll be a real pick-me-up. So let's talk to Andrew. Hello, Andrew. Hello. Thank you for for talking to me. No problem. Uh, so you review video games, which, I which do. sounds like coolest job in the world but uh is is it the coolest job in the world i mean it, it's
3: pretty cool until you kind of need a walk through and the game hasn't been released yet yeah other than that it's pretty cool yeah
0: well and then i i feel like the hardest part would be rpgs
3: oh for sure yeah i mean when Instead, fallout, like yeah when fallout 4 came out i had to block off like an entire week to to review it Which,
0: all right everybody i'm dead fallout 4 is out
3: yeah pretty much
0: so you just reviewed two rpgs for the Verge,
3: I did, and I'm alive.
0: Yeah, so thank you and congratulations. Uh, so I wanted there's a there's a big a big big RPG, but there's another big big RPG that came out right before it, which is Pokemon Sun and Moon. Mm-hmm. Which one did you choose?
3: I played Moon because it has like a like a time shift thing. So when you play during the day, it's nighttime in the game. I thought that would be kind of interesting to to mess around with.
0: Did you feel like there was anything different about the game not that they changed the game because of pokemon go but just you see pokemon differently now that there's been this huge cultural phenomenon
3: i don't know i mean the the most interesting thing about it i think is that it's a more kind of like approachable game has a lot of kind of like little tweaks that make it easier to pick up and kind of less complicated rpg which i don't know if that's in response to pokemon go but i'm sure it's a it's a very good thing to have all these people who are interested in Pokemon now and have a much kind of like easier way to get into the main games.
0: Yeah, you noted in your review, I mean first of all, I, I don't know if you want to give a basic outline. I mean it's a Pokemon game. I think we're pretty familiar, but yeah, yeah you wanna explain what <laughs> what a Pokemon game is or, or what this is?
3: I mean it's a it's a Pokemon game that takes place in fictional Hawaii is basically what it is so it's
0: a lot of chill island vibes
3: it's super chill the the main professor doesn't wear a shirt so it's it's super chill
0: and like walks into your house unannounced yeah yeah you mentioned this in your review but th- this is my first pokemon game since pokemon red i actually i got that 99 dollars 3ds black friday deal oh nice and, uh, and yeah, first game was, was this Pokemon. And yeah, you mentioned this in your review, but when you beat a Pokemon or capture Pokemon, what moves are effective against it when you fight it in the future is just like listed right in your moves list. And is yeah. that a, that's a new feature. That is so helpful because I always I knew, oh man, I'm sure there's something that counters this, but I have no idea what. So for me being not very familiar, it really is really helpful. And it, it has been a pretty friendly experience so far.
3: Yeah, and it's one of those things where I feel like if I played an old game now, it'd be like, it feels like this is missing because it just makes so much sense. Especially now that there's, like, so many different types of Pokemon. It's, like, super complicated now. So having that information, like, right there so you don't have to memorize it is is super helpful.
0: What's the new type for this game? Some, like, trans-dimensional beings or something?
3: Yeah, I don't even remember what they're called. But, like, I... I <laughs> Are y- I can't keep track of them now.
0: Are you, you going to catch them all, or, or are you kind of done with this Pokemon?
3: Oh, yeah. That, see, that, that's, the, that's the rough life of the game reviewers. I have to move on to the next thing.
0: You got to move on. Okay, so let's move on. No offense to Pokemon. Lots of stars out of lots of stars. We don't do star ratings for video games, but would you say it gets lots of stars? It's a good one. Oh, it has a good amount of stars, yeah. Good, good quantity of stars. All right, Final Fantasy fifteen. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal.
3: It is a big deal.
0: 10 years? I didn't know it had been 10 years. It's really been 10 years since the last major... Well,
3: it's been 10 years since this game was like announced and work started on it. Um, okay. I actually don't know what time when uh, Final Fantasy Thirteen came out, but that was the last single-player, like big single-player game, because Fourteen was an MMO. But yeah, it's been like a long time. It w- when it was announced, it was actually a spin-off of Final Fantasy XIII for the PS3. That's how long ago it was, and then uh, they kind of changed it into fifteen and moved it to current gen systems and stuff.
0: Thirteen so, came out in two thousand nine.
3: Yeah, so this was an, yeah, and this was announced and announced or development started on in two thousand six. Okay. okay. Yeah, and it was called Final Fantasy Versus thirteen originally.
0: And I always felt like th- there's been this trend where like there was kind of like almost peak RPG complexity in like the PlayStation 1 era. And then as graphics got better, it became more and more expensive to put that much game into your game. Mm-hmm. And so and I just felt like, well, next gen graphics are just going to kill this. This will basically be a movie and it, you know i assumed it would have the same problems as final fantasy 13 just be some some real linear story because you can't afford to make a huge world at the production value of a next gen game but it kind of seems like, like they just did it anyways
3: i don't know it's it's honestly it's considering like not just the length of time but like all the changes and that happened over the course it that it was made like they changed directors part way through like it's kind of a miracle that it It works. Like, it is. It's still kind of messy and awkward in places, but like, it's a really, really good game, and it's kind of shocking that they managed to pull
0: it all together so as someone who's never finished a final fantasy game i've definitely dabbled with a lot of them i spent the most time with 12 actually i really love 12 12 is good yeah i liked some of the stuff in your review and some of the other things you've written it's because like you wonder what is a final fantasy game what makes it a final fantasy game why should i care this is is this just another rpg with a cool brand to it like what makes and seems like there's like a lot of entryways into this game that like connect you to the characters and story
3: Mm -hmm. i mean that's kind of like a difficult question actually like what is a final fantasy game because one of the kind of cool things about the series is that like they sort of start over with each new one so it's it's, they try new things and it it's usually very different there's like kind of core kind of elements like it's an rpg um and so the way some of the systems work are, are the same from one game to the next but what kind of makes the series cool is that they they're very different from from one to the next, um, and this one is like one of the most different because, like you mentioned before, it has like has an open world, uh, it has real time combat. Um, it's not quite an action game, but it's like somewhere between an action game and like an old school Final Fantasy game. Um, it has a car you can drive around, but <laughs> if you if you if you get the right parts, you can turn it into a flying car, which I haven't managed to do yet. But
0: oh, really? I think that's the, the that. To me, is pretty much all... I, I didn't play the demo or anything. When I saw the first trailer, it saw these guys in a car. I was like, that is simultaneously simultaneously the least fantasy RPG thing you could make. And also, like, the most Final Fantasy thing that could ever exist. Of course, it's a boy band in a car. Of course, that's what the Final Fantasy game is.
3: Well, I mean, that's kind of... That, for me, anyways, that's, like, one of the kind of defining things about at least about the really good final fantasies that they're, they're kind of like these big, serious, world-saving stories that are also like really weird and silly at the same time. Um, and this is a kind of perfect example of that because you're like a boy band who are rescuing the world from imminent danger.
0: So I went with my roommate to like GameStop's midnight release. There's like a decent line there in Bushwick. I watched some like streams last night. I stayed up pretty late because this game seemed awesome. I don't have my own copy yet because I don't know when I'm going to actually play it, but it's awesome. So I almost feel like we should help lay the groundwork. You, you said on the site that people should definitely watch like these intro animes that kind of like sh- these short free on YouTube videos that introduce these main characters and also there's a feature film that you're supposed to watch too can you set the stage like this this hook these quirky weird characters that i'm like instantly in love with just watching gameplay for a few hours can you set the stage like like hook us into this beautiful new fan (laughs) i don't know i i I don't know why i've I've never been this excited about a final fantasy but everything i see about it it's just like oh it's just it's just surprising and, and and fun and beautiful i don't know
3: yeah it's really weird like the the four the kind of four main characters are really like the hook of it um and the whole idea is that you're you you play one character you play uh, prince noctis who's a prince who kind of uh, at the beginning of the game he goes out on a road trip to marry someone he's betrothed to or whatever um, he's got
0: a real attitude
3: uh, yeah well i mean yeah he's a, he's a very kind of surly sullen final fantasy uh, lead character Um, And he brings, uh, as you do, he brings uh, three of his friends along. One of them is, like, you know, the tough guy who's his bodyguard. Um, There's, like, his kind of personal minder um, who's the driver and their
0: chef. Um, Tell me if this is true or not. My friend told me that this guy has been trying for years to cook this one dish that Prince Noctis had randomly at a bakery.
3: Yeah. So that's, uh, if, if you watch the, the, the anime you mentioned, it's called uh, Brotherhood Final Fantasy Fifteen, and there are like these, f- it's this five episode series on YouTube, and each episode kind of focuses on a character, and his sort of backstory is that he, yeah, he has no idea what this dish is, um, and he just changes like one ingredient each time he makes a dessert, and gives it to him, and in- and Noctis will say, oh, that's closer, or that's farther away or whatever. And he's just been doing it for years.
0: Also, he hates nighttime driving.
3: He does. I mean, it's dangerous. And he's like a very serious, sensible person. So,
0: Cool. And uh, then there's the photographer guy.
3: Yeah, Prompto, who's like the, the goofy one. Uh, when my wife was playing, she said he sounded a lot like uh, Mikey from Ninja Turtles, which actually kind of works. And his backstory is, like, even weirder, is that he used to be really chubby, and he wanted to be friends with the prince, so he, like, started working out so he would be thin and cool.
0: It's <laughs> a real lesson for, for everyone That's, to learn.
3: Yeah, and he, he likes to take selfies, which is one of my favorite parts of the game.
0: Which is weird to say, but I, I don't know, it, just, it all makes sense. It's well, such what, a Final Fantasy game.
3: Yeah, what it does cool is it has, like, all these little things, like, uh, the blonde guy Prompto is a photographer, and he'll take photos, and uh ignis who's the the serious kind of caretaker guy he cooks the meals and stuff and you have all these like little moments that kind of make it feel like you're really hanging out with your buddies like they go you know in like final fantasy games you always like stay in it in to replenish your health or whatever and you can do that here but you can also like go camping and you know cook some food and just kind of hang out and it like creates these really cool small intimate moments that make it feel like you're connecting with these with these dudes
0: how long did it take you to play it?
3: It took me just under forty hours, but like I had to skip past a lot of stuff. But the good thing is that they you can kind of go back after you beat the game and, and do things. It's a pretty big game. Like I there's a lot of stuff that I still want to do that I couldn't do in that forty hours.
0: Is it just because we're older that forty hours seems like almost too much? to commit to a game or is there something changed in society that because everybody talks about the death of JRPGs and I feel like that's almost part of it it's just like who's who's going to spend 40 100 hours on one game
3: yeah if it wasn't my job i could do like maybe one a year cuz that's a long long time
0: but if you were going to pick pick one this year it would be this one
3: oh yeah i mean if i was going to pick one of the last several years it would be this one for sure
0: well awesome thank you so much andrew keep fighting the good fight of playing those video games (laughs) it's rough
3: but you know someone's got to do it
0: no i love your writing i love the reflections you have on the games if you if you haven't read andrew's stuff uh, i definitely recommend checking out no man's sky uh, travel diaries that was awesome it's just the exact right way to approach that game and i thought it was awesome great thank you very thank much. you very much for joining me cool thank you i I really love the way uh, the verge does video game coverage if you haven't checked it out it's i just feel like somehow it matches my lifestyle better than like a traditional games publication just just it's, it's more it's a little bit more about the art form it's a little bit more i don't know it's not about the score necessarily i don't know check it out it's good it's good stuff thank you andrew so Last on the show, but you know not least because this is typically a pretty gadget-centric podcast. If this is your first time listening, you should probably check out some of the other episodes because there, there really are some cool co-hosts that I get to spend time with. And I think you'll really love to meet them. Uh, but Ashley Carman has spent some time with Spectacles. Uh, we also had a review go up by Sean O'Kane about Spectacles. These are Snap, Inc.'s new gadget and we've talked about it a lot on the show, but now that people, a couple of our editors have spent serious time with these camera glasses on their face, I want to know what it's like. So let's talk to Ashley. Hello, Ashley. Hi. We are literally outdoors, would you agree?
4: <laughs> I think that's factually correct.
0: So we are standing in the Snapchat spectacles live. Mm-hmm. Snap, Snap Inc
4: at uh, Madison and
0: 59th. Yeah, it's a it's around the corner from the Apple Store. For some reason yes. I visualized it right next to the That's what right I was envisioning I thought it was going to be in the toy store. That I thought it was me in the you park across the
4: street. Yeah. He's a line I don't like this. This is really manager. scary.
0: So right close to, oh hey, <laughs> uh, right up near the door there's the, the campers. And then there's a really long line, it has some fancy stores, and now it's going around the corner, so it's basically a, almost a whole city block.
4: Yeah, but it's actually not as many people as I thought it would be, because the store isn't filled.
0: Well, right. no, but the store doesn't open until... 40. Yeah, but I was
4: expecting it to be like, how many people think this is, 100? I don't
0: know. <laughs> I
4: would say about a 100.
0: We're reporting live
4: from the Snapchat spectrum. Line. This is also the noisiest block ever. Yeah,
0: it's pretty. Well, it's not as crazy. Did you walk past Trump Tower on the way here? No. So, but if you're going have, up Fifth Avenue and you're on the Trump Tower side, there's like a bag check. So, just get onto that sidewalk. I'm not
4: gonna, you know, get into politics. Yeah,
0: all right. Well, so, anyways, you have been hanging out with the Spectacles. Yeah. You, you have this Oh, Because Brian Bishop.
4: Our entertainment reporter right. got a pair or two pairs in LA when they first came out. And he sent one pair to the New York office here and Sean O'Kane had them. And then Sean was like, Ashley, you can play with these because I know you've been excited. Yeah. So I've been playing with them.
0: And then it got really cold out.
4: Yes. And, and then so it turned to winter.
0: <laughs> perfect time for That's what's
4: so funny, is like in LA they put the vending machine on the beach. Right. And everyone's just like, chill on the beach. Like Worst case, you're in a line on a beach. Right. Like, whatever. Right. Here, it's like everyone's bundled up. It was raining yesterday. It's miserable yesterday. as hell. Yeah. And semi-trucks right. driving by every minute. Like, this is bad. This is so
0: not... So, if, if this line wasn't so crazy... I
4: would buy a pair.
0: You'd buy a pair?
4: Yeah. If I could just go online and buy them, I would get them. Yeah. It's only $130. Right. They're fun. Do
0: you think part of the reason that people want them is because it's so hard to get them?
4: Oh, yeah. It's totally... False scarcity.
0: Wait, so wait, what do you think about? You used them. What is it like? How, how, how is it? Yeah. to you find any beaches? Just
4: yeah, it totally changed my perspective on the world.
0: A lot of more serendi- <laughs> serendipity.
4: Yeah. No, I was saying to uh, Andy at work, like the spectacles are cool. I feel like in very specific situations, where it's like if you're on vacation and you want to remember your vacation, but you don't want to always have your phone out or anything like that. That's cool. Hmm. If I had a kid and I wanted to like, Amelia, our photographer, has a daughter who's really young and she hoisted her up in the air while she was wearing the spectacles and put her daughter, like, over the glasses. And I think that's, like, a really cool moment because you can see Luna's reaction and, I don't know, you're never Ami- going to be Amelia's right here. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking to Amelia. You're talking you to
0: talk. How do you feel about spectacles, Amelia?
4: That was really fun. That was a really fun little video. Like, don't you think you'll revisit that video one day? Yeah. Maybe not all the time, but, like, you could find that on your computer and be like, oh, and I think it would actually bring you some joy. Yeah, no, I was psyched to do it. and I've tried. Did you get that photo, actually, of her in the air? I need to send you it. Yeah, <laughs> it. Oh, it's really cute. I loved it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's in your Snapchat memory. Yeah, right? yeah.
4: So then you have to download it to your phone. So it's not as fun to play with. Like, I can't turn my phone. So when I send it to Amelia, it's just going to be just a circle. circle video, which is still cool. It's cool. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like it, the spectrums are really good in those specific circumstances.
0: You were saying yesterday that it might be bad If you had spectacles like during a relationship and then that relationship ended because Because it's such a visceral memory.
4: If you wear them all the time and the whole point is that it's your view of life. I could just easily see myself in love one day if it ever happens, you know, holding someone's hand or something and you press the record button Mm -hmm. and it records this video of you holding their hand and then you revisit it when you break up it's, in it's your gonna memories, happen it's
0: in your memories yeah and forever. then
4: you're like dang that's done oh. like that's sad I don't even I delete all text threads when I break up with someone I don't actually have many photos of exes and like the ones I do have I really don't feel anything towards them I'm just like Oh, that was a weird time. But like, something about a video to me, from your perspective, seems like it could definitely be more visceral.
0: Well, I'm thinking of like Stranger Days and Mm -hmm. like Minority Report. Like, like that's like a plot element. It's like these, in both cases, men who have Mm -hmm. these digitally recorded memories in some weird futuristic format. Mm -hmm. And they just revisit this old relationship and they can't let it go. Yeah. Because it's like from their perspective.
4: Yeah, I think it could help you keep alive a relationship that maybe you don't want to keep alive. I don't know. I definitely think for daily wear, I don't need to record myself going to buy a $9 cup of matcha. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't ever need to revisit that moment. Although, who knows? I don't keep a daily diary, and sometimes I wish I did. I'm just lazy. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah, maybe it would be nice to just be like, oh, on this day in 2016, I literally did nothing exciting at all, but that was my life in 2016.
0: Do you re- record just mundane tasks around the house where you your spectacles?
4: I one day made it a goal to just record my day. Mm. And it was kind of, and I shared it on Snapchat too. So it was sort of embarrassing almost for me because, so I woke up and I was like, I'm walking down the block, fine. I'm walking in my neighborhood, fine. And I'm like, I'm at the gym alone, not so (laughs) fun. I'm eating an acai bowl alone. Like, look at me, I love being alone. Uh And then I would like go home. And then like I started, I actually made plans that day because I was like, I need to look like I have friends. And then it felt a little bit better, but I don't know. I just don't think you need to record all those things. Like, I don't see myself revisiting these memories that I took that day.
0: Also, again, I I keep. I hate to keep harping on this but it's literally the winter right
4: I, yeah like, you and I have talked about it's how it's so
0: weird I, I don't wear sunglasses I, I typically forget them and mm-hmm. then in summer I try to remember to put my pair of sunglasses in my backpack so every once in a while when it's just so bright mm-hmm. I can pull them out mm-hmm. but I've never been good at just like having sunglasses on, on the right
4: well that's the other thing too I wear glasses normally I do have contacts but like day-to-day at work I'm not going to put my contacts in
0: Here's a thought experiment. What if technology is so advanced that there was a, a virtually invisible camera mm-hmm. that you could choose to have built-in to your whatever glasses you want to wear? Would I? For $130, and you don't even have to wait in line. So it would just be like my regular glasses?
4: Basically. Yeah,
0: you, you could, yeah, th- why like, not? when you're, like, choosing if you want scratch-free lenses, you choose do you want
4: this Yeah, camera. I would get them. It's cool. Also, you and I bought those spy glasses. That's true. And I just want to say that these things have been available <laughs> since That's like. true. You've the been 90s. able to
0: mount a camera to your. Yeah, this head is not new. Glasses. It's
4: just Snapchat's marketing. Right. And and the, the glasses are actually stylish, whereas the ones we got off Amazon are like. I think yeah. they're cool. It's
0: cool. But they're like heinous. a 90s Oakley yeah. cyberpunk type of look. But
4: yeah, Snapchat's all about marketing. Well, yeah, and the circular marketing. video. There is
0: literally. I'm sure people have seen pictures. Yeah. But this building. Well, Amelia will have some
4: photos of this. It's like the
0: whole face of this building is one big Snapchat eyeball.
4: The vending machine looks really cool. It's an animated vending machine. Yeah. I just want the vending machine.
0: Which apparently doesn't work super well. Yeah.
4: According
0: to our sources in line, yeah. <laughs> we're, I'm standing next to somebody. He yeah, we're not actually allowed in line. Just have a
4: wristband. I
0: have a wristband. You have a wristband. I could buy this if there I wanted line to. There are I got here before you guys. Oh, it's even got a number. Yeah, apparently because I have a wristband, if I stay here until however knows who knows how long, <laughs> it's open from four to ten, I will get a pair of spectators.
4: But apparently, from the point we are in line right now, it takes two hours, even after 50, the yeah. store opens.
0: Because there's just one friggin' finish. Yeah, that, that messes up. I
4: don't
0: know. I really, I just, I have this vibe. Like, I feel like there's people who walk past this line who have this innate desire to get in line before they even know what it is. Oh, yeah. They like,
4: like feel nature. themselves
0: like gravitating towards a line. Not even knowledgeable. That's
4: totally human nature is to see a line and think that's the line you're supposed to be in even though there wasn't a line you were supposed to be in at all wow. today. <laughs> I hate lines though. I do, yeah. I'm an active line avoider, which is why I would, I can't wait in this.
0: Yeah. So you, you don't do Black Friday?
4: I don't, I've never waited in a line.
0: Good for that. you. I don't think. What about at the grocery store? You just grab, <laughs> grab well, it like, line. I'm like, I'm stealing this
4: if there's a line. <laughs> this is gonna happen.
0: <laughs> well, thank you for joining me out here. Yeah. in this, this gesture guy. of buying spectacles, but not actually yeah. buying spectacles. Yeah. Andrew, you almost bought spectacles. Yeah, twice. So you've oh. been here twice and yeah. almost bought them, but then just like denied. No, I got denied both times. <laughs> oh, you got denied. I didn't even get a wristband last you time. Didn't get, okay, Andrew didn't get a wristband.
4: And actually, I was telling Andrew that one someone at Vox, not at The Verge, but in our company, has spectacles. And I said to him, I was like, How'd you get those, dude? Because we had just been talking about how we wanted them but didn't want to wait in line. Mm -hmm. He paid someone to wait in line for him.
0: No, he didn't even just buy them already fuck. No,
4: apparently there is a service that does that.
0: Well, I bet there's a lot of people. Yeah. That's what I always think is so crazy. There's so many things in New York that people wait in line for, like Shakespeare in the park, and iPhones, and Broadway tickets. It's like, I thought everybody in New York was really busy.
4: New York is a line I, city.
0: I did see a scalper, and the, the line police forcibly ejected him. What do you like, mean a
4: scalper? Like, like he already had glasses? No, there
0: was a lady holding a pair of spectacles, oh. trying to sell them.
4: Into the line?
0: Yeah. How much she was she got,
4: asking?
0: Uh, she didn't even get a chance. She, she got <laughs> booted. <laughs> You have to leave, which I don't even know how you do that.
4: <laughs> well, that's the other thing. That's why New York is such a funny place for them to put this. Mm-hmm. New York is seriously the flipping capital of the world. Like, everyone here is hustling. Mm-hmm. So, I hustle hustling. So, these things are just getting flipped, yeah. being your hustler.
0: <laughs> sometimes, no.
4: I, I'm, I'm not a good slipper either. I'm sometimes very much I'll, like, a, like,
0: give my roommate some of my Doritos so that he feels it's like slightly indebted to me. Is that That's hustling? That's
4: not flipping. <laughs> okay. Close, though. Right. You're getting there.
0: Last last word on Spectacles, actually.
4: Uh They are affordable, which is awesome. They actually are stylish. The camera feature is cool. Do you want to wait 12 hours? Or for 12 hours? I don't know. That's up to you.
0: Cool. Thank you for joining me.
4: Yeah. Thank you.
0: This episode is sponsored by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. My sister actually used Squarespace to make her portfolio website and I think it's beautiful and she can change it anytime she wants. No coding, super simple and it looks really good. It's easy to create a website with Squarespace. It's a simple, intuitive process. You can add and arrange your content and features with the click of a mouse. You get a free custom domain if you sign up for a year. And there's beautiful templates, design a best-in-class online store with Squarespace award-winning templates, customizable settings, and more, all without a single plugin. And there's uh, seamless commerce tools from nationally recognized brands to your favorite local shops. There's also 24-7 customer support. Every member of the customer care team is an experienced Squarespace user working in a Squarespace office. No matter how technical your problem or trivial-seeming your question, one of their team is always online to assist you. You can start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter offer code VERGE to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace. Set your website apart. Well, that is our show, and I think we learned a lot this week. I think, for first first off, we learned that I uh, I have no idea what I'm doing as a solo podcast host, but thankfully, there are millions, nearly, I don't know, 70 ultra-intelligent people who work at The Verge and uh, are all wonderful to talk to, and I feel blessed that I got to talk to four of them. So, so thank you, Andrew, Ashley, TC, Caitlin, for making this a great Verge cast. And no thanks to you, Neelai and Dieter, leader, leadership experts, big wig, money, money movers. No, they don't do that. They don't move money. Uh, they're great guys. And I look forward to having them back next week because it's their show anyways. Uh, yeah, so that's it. We have a ton of other podcasts in the uh, Vox Media empire. Stable of podcasts. There's Control Walt Delete every Thursday with uh, Walt Mossberg and Neil Patel. And Neil Patel, even though he didn't do this show this week, he did do Control Walt Delete. So you know he's got his priorities. There's Too Embarrassed to Ask with Lauren Good. Recode Decode with Kara Swisher and uh, Recode Media with Peter Kafka. Also, if you go to iTunes.com/slash/TheVerge, you could leave a review. You could say, Paul was the best podcast host. Thanks, Paul. That would be, you know, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but if you believe that in your heart, maybe that'd be a good thing to type into the iTunes review page. Just something to think about. Uh, Also, you can find uh, the people I talked to this week on Twitter. Andrew Webster, who's the video games guy, is A underscore Webster. Ashley R. Carmen, who... Talk to me about spectacles is Ashley R. Carmen on Twitter, so that's convenient. Caitlin Tiffany is Kate underscore Tiffany, and Kate is spelled with a K. And then TC Sotek, who talked about net neutrality, is obviously Chillmage on Twitter. So yeah, thanks again to all of them. Thank you for listening. That's our show, rock and roll, Paul. Those are the cool outro words that are like an inside joke. That you know, sometimes I wonder when we say them at the end of a show, does anybody even know why we say these things? And this is still funny. But we do it anyways. And that's really what the VergeCast is all about. Oh, I got a text message. All right, have a good day.